You're listening to Legal Skinny Podcast with Trisha Verita. I'm a 15-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law, employers and HR professionals would often ask me, where can they find out a little more information on this or a little more information on that? Look, I get it. There's a lot of resources out there, but sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people have only 30 or 15 or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to employers. Disclaimer though, Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and doesn't create an attorney-client relationship. Also remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Welcome to the Legal Skinny Podcast. Today, we're doing a Legal Skinny Brief on the Department of Labor's proposed rule for classifying independent contractors. This has been an issue that has been debated uh, in the courts. The Department of Labor has gone back and forth on what their test is, uh, who's an independent contractor, who really should have been classified as an employee very important for employers to be aware of how the Department of Labor classifies an independent contractor. And so um, they've made some new guidelines as to uh, how they see things and how they're going to, in their investigations, determine whether or not one of your workers really maybe should have been classified as an employee. And so as employers kind of work through these issues, always keep in mind that, you know, there's other independent contractor classification tests out there. So, you know, your state unemployment agencies may have them. The IRS has a test. uh, The National Labor Relations Act has a test. So uh, all of that is not being affected here by the Department of Labor test, which we're looking at specifically and and how the DOL is going to classify uh, the independent contractor and and the certain factors that are, are key to them in in which way they're going to um, go if you were under some type of investigation. So the economic reality test that they talk about here in this proposed rule isn't a new concept. What we're seeing that's new in the proposed rule is the Department of Labor identifying what they find to be the key factors, right? So there's been, uh, you know, around seven or so uh, factors that have been put out there before the debated by the courts as to which one they find to be more important. And, and that's in, in the reasoning of the proposed rule, the Department of Labor says, look, all this confusion is, is leading to employers making, you know, misclassifying individuals, not paying them over time, not properly um, getting their wages correct. And therefore we're doing this clarification in this proposed rule, which uh, Specifically, they're calling, of course, the economic reality test and and looking at whether or not the worker status as an FLSA employee or independent contractor under this analysis is a worker that's more in business for themselves, for himself or herself, which would be an independent contractor, or are they economically dependent on a, a putative employer for work, which would then be classified as an employee. Under the proposed rule, The Department of Labor says, look, the two factors, the core factors 
that we think is a, are important in determining if a worker is economically dependent on someone else's business or if they're in business for himself or herself are going to be the worker's control over their work or the profit and loss. So let's break those two down. They've now, you know, highlighted this is it. These are going to be, you know, not the totally defining terms, but they're going to give more weight and credence to these two factors when they do an investigation and an analysis of whether or not a worker really should have been properly classified as an employee versus an independent contractor. So when you're looking at a worker's control over their work, uh, the Department of Labor states, look, that's going to be about the nature and degree of the worker's control over their work. For example, right? Do they have control over their schedule? That's usually the first place everybody goes when they're looking at the control over their work. Do they have control over the steps that they take to get to the, the conclusion of the work, right? Are they being micromanaged in either the contract that they've been given or in the actual work themselves? And, and there is some um, in the proposed rule in the discussion, which is, is quite length, lengthy, the Department of Labor notes, which they've noted many times before that, you know, the actual practice that's going on between the worker and the, and the employer is going to, you know, hold more weight than, than a contract may necessarily um, define actually what's going on between them and whether the classification occurred properly. So, you know, in, in no, in no, uh, no more words, they're basically saying, look, if you have a contract, that doesn't mean that you're, you're going to be able to contract the person as an independent contractor and avoid a classification issue with us. And that's been their stance for quite a while, but it is important to put that out there. So, you know, especially if you have in the contract, right, that you're controlling their work, which is uh, now under this new proposed rule, if it goes through, one of the major uh, factors that the Department of Labor is looking at. So uh, the control over the individual's work and then the other being the profit and loss issue. So the worker's opportunity for profit or loss based on initiative and or investment. And so what does that mean? I mean, that could be a lot of different things, but when you're looking at whether or not an individual has a profit and loss, uh, are they really in business for themselves? Uh, for instance, you know, is the employer reimbursing them for the expenses? You know, that's an employee issue. You know, that's usually something you're doing with employees where you reimburse them, you know, for uh, for gas or maybe use of their cell phone or those types of things. Whereas with an independent contractor, you know, the Department of Labor is looking and expecting that the individual that's truly an independent contractor in business for himself and herself is going to be able to show hey, I, I said I do this job for this amount of money. The expenses ended up being, you know, this. And, uh, you know, I showed a loss for that job or, you know, I showed a profit for that job, but that the expenses were my own. And so that's kind of what they're looking at. And they're finding that those are two of the major factors. That's what they're going to give the most weight to. They also did say, hey, look, there's three other factors that are being highlighted uh, from uh, on our end as guideposts in the analysis, which would be the amount of skill required for the work. You know, of course, it's usually expected that an independent contractor knows how to do the work that they're being contracted to do. There, there isn't a lot of training about the skill issue. And so I think that's kind of what they're talking about in that area. The other would be the degree of permanence of the working relationship between the worker and the potential employer. 
Usually you see an independent contractor, you know, working in a project basis or on defined terms limiting how long they'll be working for them. So an independent contractor that doesn't work for anybody else only works for the employer for 10 years. You know, that's a pretty permanent relationship. And if they're not showing that they're working for anybody else, you know, the DOL may say, hey, that looks more like an employer employee situation especially if some of the other factors are weighing against the classification. And then finally, whether the work is part of an integrated unit of production. So if the employer business is not able to function without the independent contractor because the the worker is so integral to the work that it wouldn't actually, the business wouldn't survive, then then that's been uh, credited by, by, you know, not just the Department of Labor, but um, other analysis on independent contractor versus employee that that when the worker is so integral that they may then be an employee versus being an independent contractor. The Department of Labor is allowing comments to be submitted through October 26, 2020. So um, that is the legal skinny on the brief Department of Labor proposed rule classifying independent contractor. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Legal Skinny Podcast. Do not forget to subscribe to get future podcast episodes. Also check out LegalSkinny.com to join our newsletter and get details on all the educational resources we offer the employer. Also, disclaimer, Remember, legal skinnies for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So also remember, this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.